Hello, everybody, and welcome to UFILES, Your Your Taxes Your Way podcast. My name is Ida Chelli, and I'm here with our tax expert, Jerry Vitoratis. Hi, Jerry. How are you? How's it going, Ida? Not bad. Yourself? Pretty good. Well, you know, still cooped up in the house, but uh, safe and sound, at least. I'm hoping that you are as well. Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. So today's subject is the tax update for 2020. So you're going to start to provide us uh, what are the changes for this year's tax uh, return? Yes. So we're going to talk about, you know, what's new, what's great about the wonderful world of income taxes. Uh, what has the government, uh, what are the new, uh, new rules? little candy that the government, yeah, rules and some of the new candy that the government has given us, right? Uh, income tax wise, you know, to, uh, uh, to help us, you know, uh, to, to, to help us, to help us lessen the tax burden that we have. So, so what, what do you want to start with, uh, Ida? Okay. Uh, how about the home office expenses due to COVID? That's something new this year for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. So, of course, with the pandemic raging, you know, as as of the recording of this session uh, right now, we're still in the thick of of the pandemic. We're all locked up inside right now, uh, staying safe, uh, essentially. And because of this, of course, it has forced a lot of people, including us, uh, to work from home. You know, so essentially we're all working from home. We are required to work from home in certain provinces. You're actually forced to work from home. In this case, I know it's the case with us uh, where we are in Quebec. Uh, so uh, the government, what they've done is that they made a few changes, some administrative changes and some uh, fundamental changes to the rules. Okay. And essentially adding a new deduction. Okay. So with home office expenses, what the government has done is that they've given you a choice of two methods of computing your home office expenses. Okay. So you have two, you have two options. You could either go with what the government calls the uh, temporary flat rate method, okay, where the government simply gives you $2 per day as a deduction on your tax turn for every day you're required to work from home, okay, as long as, again, the key word is you're required to work from home and you're required for at least 50% of the time within a four-week consecutive period, minimum, meaning that for at least four consecutive weeks, you had to work from home due to the pandemic for more than 50% of the time, okay? So so that's what the government calls the temporary flat rate method. It is capped at $400 as a deduction. It is a $2 a day deduction that you can claim. The good news about this deduction is the fact that there are no administrative requirements on the part of the CRA. Therefore, your employer doesn't have to sign any form. You don't have to archive any receipts for your expenses. As long as you meet the basic criteria that I mentioned before, you can claim $2 per day up to a maximum of $400 as a deduction. Now that's one way. The other way is the old way. Okay. The way that was always there, uh, which is what we call the detailed method. And the detailed method is the method in which you now can claim specific expenses that relate to your home office. Okay, so we're talking, for example, uh, rent, uh, electricity, heat, uh, what's called, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, for example, pens, uh, stationaries, things like that. Okay, so that's essentially what you can claim. Of course, you can claim them on a prorated basis. Okay, based on the uh, percentage of the of the square footage of your home that your home office represents. So, in other words, if your home office represents 10% of your home, you're entitled to deduct 10% of those expenses. Okay. Now, if you guys want any more details on this, 
uh, on uh, this particular change on the home office expenses, you can simply go to the previous podcast where we give a lot of those details. You can also go to our blog article, okay, that is found on the UFAL website. So ufal.ca, you hover uh, on the tips and tricks uh, tab and you click on the UFAL blog and you can get access to the uh, to the blog article that gives you all the details of this change. Include And like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on YouTube or whether you're listening to it through uh, a podcast uh, provider like, you know, Apple uh, Music, uh, Soundcast, uh, uh, SoundCloud, etc. Uh, our previous podcast relates to this deduction. So don't hesitate to go there and get the details. Very good. Actually, um, that's very interesting. Uh, there, there are forms that you need, your employer needs to give you. Yes. So if you were to choose the detailed method, okay, the forms that you would require is for your employer has to sign off on it. Essentially, your employer has to essentially confirm that you were required to work from home. Okay. Uh, especially for the detailed method, you don't need this form for the, like I said, for the temporary flat rate method, there are no administrative administrative requirements, but for the detailed method, there are, and you need in that case, uh, what's called the conditions of employment form, which is the T 2200 S and the claim whether you are claiming it on uh, on a temporary flat rate method or the detailed method, you need what's called the T777S. Okay, both of these forms are, of course, offered in UFAL currently. Uh, you can go ahead and make your claims. Okay, good. Uh, another new credit this year is, or I, I believe it's new, is the Canadian, uh, the Canada Training Credit. So it is new. Let's put it this way. It's newish. Let's put it this way. Yeah, if you, if if any, if anybody who's listening to this, uh, or who's seeing this through YouTube, uh, has uh, essentially read our article from last year, we mentioned the Canadian tax credit last year, and the reason is that is that to claim that credit, it is based on a limit that you start accumulating in 2019, which now which UFAL has done. Uh, has done since last year. So the Canada training credit, very simply put what it is, it's a new refundable component of your tuition credit. So whereas before we can claim the tuition tax credit, which is, which is a non-refundable tax credit, well, this year the government will allow you to take a portion of those tuition fees and claim them as a refundable tax credit. Okay, now you might say to yourself, well, what's this tax means you're talking about right now? You know, non-refundable, refundable. What does that mean? Okay, very simply put, your tuition credit, okay, the, the, the credit that you claim for the tuition fees that you pay to, towards a post-secondary school, okay, uh, these are a non-refundable tax credit, meaning that if your credits are above your federal tax and your provincial tax, well, the excess amount, the difference, you can't claim on your tax turn, unfortunately, as a refund. You don't get refunded that difference. This is where you carry forward. This is the concept of a carry forward where any credit you can't use, you simply bring forward to a following year, okay? So that's a non That's what the government calls it, a non-refundable tax credit. They don't refund you the excess. The kind of training credit where it's interesting is that it is a refundable tax credit, meaning that if the credit is more than your federal and or provincial tax, you actually collect the difference. Okay, the government will actually pay you that difference. So if you're a student right now, for example, uh, that's not at a taxable rate, meaning your your taxable income is uh, $13,000 or less, well, you're you, you can't get the tuition tax credit. You can't use it for this year at least, but you can use the Canada training credit though. You're actually able to, 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 to collect it. So the credit itself is capped at the lesser of two amounts. 
which is half of your tuition fees for the year, okay, or the limit you've accumulated up until this point. Okay, and that limit is kind of like the same concept as an RSP. You accumulate it every single year, and it's a cumulative limit, which means it accumulates to, to a certain amount. Okay, so since it started last year, your limit for this year will be $250. Okay, that's essentially what your cap is going to be. Okay, for that credit. So it's half of your tuition fees or the limit that you've accumulated, which is $250. All right, now to be able to accumulate this limit, you know, this credit is really targeted to specific individuals, okay? It's not any single student that can claim, that can accumulate this amount to be able to claim the credit in the future. Okay, this is really targeted towards individuals who are older students and who are already in the, in the workplace. So essentially, these are individuals that, you know, are trying to get additional skills, okay, for, for, for the job market that they're in. So essentially, you know, the, the basic rules are you have to file a tax return every year to be able to accumulate the limit. You have to be at least 25 and below 66 years old, okay, in the, in the year. You have to be a resident of Canada throughout the year, and you have to have earned at least $10,000 or more of what the government considers as earned income, meaning you worked for it. Okay, so employment income, self-employment income, and it's net. Let me let me make, let me make that clear because we have, we have there's a lot of controversy on the net versus gross income, especially mm -hmm. for the CERB. Okay, so it's based on net on net self-employment income and parental benefits as well, meaning paternity or maternity leave. Okay, so you need at least those can you need all those conditions and the moment you have them you've just accumulated 250 dollars that you can apply to the following year and this limit is cumulative up to up to a lifetime limit of five thousand dollars okay that's the canada training uh canada training credit uh credit amount essentially so it's it's great news to be honest with you because for a lot of these students they're not making a lot of income a lot of times because they're going back to school to get more skills okay but they are working part-time a lot of times and the great news is that because it's refundable you'll get to collect the credit unlike tuition where you have to be taxable to collect okay to collect that credit all right so that's the, that's the great news there uh when it comes to the uh training credit now there is, of course, a, there is one caveat to this credit. You can't double dip, okay? Meaning that if you're claiming the Canada training credit, you have to reduce the tuition fees that you use to claim your tuition credit by the amount that you by the amount of the Canada training credit. So I can't. So the two hundred fifty dollars that I claimed as a credit, I have to reduce in this case my tuition. Uh, credit by that amount, okay, or or the tuition fees that I'm using towards that credit, okay. So I can't double dip essentially. Okay, wow, that's a lot to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, remember, government will never make things completely easy. The surprising part is that temporary flat rate method that I mentioned before on uh, on employment expenses. That that was a that was a breath of fresh air to be honest with you. As a tax practitioner, that was a breath of fresh air. Hey, two dollars a day just of one one condition. That's amazing. But as you saw, for something for two hundred fifty dollars, just look at these conditions that I just mentioned over here. And, and unfortunately, a lot of of uh, of what's in the tax turn is littered with these kind of conditions, unfortunately. Wow. Okay, what about now? There's a new digital subscri subscription expenses. Yes, yeah, so Okay, you're gonna news. say that one for me. 
Yeah, so digital news subscription expenses, right? So, so that's uh, that's a new non-refundable tax credit that could go up to five hundred dollars for any fees you pay to subscribe to what's called original to 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 uh, uh, content that is original news. Okay, so that's the digital component, as we call it. Now, uh, the government specifies that it has to be. Uh, it has to be in this case, uh, and I'm reading this straight off here, Qualified Canadian Journalism Organization, which unfortunately there is no list as we speak. So as the recording of the session, unfortunately, we don't have a list, which is really rare. Uh, normally, you would have this kind of list before the tax season begins. And unfortunately, we're in March now, we're March 1st, and it's not there, unfortunately. But I would just suspect that overall, you, th things like National Post or Globe and Mail would probably fall straight into uh, th this, this kind of uh, this kind of credit into the wheelhouse remember that the credit that you're claiming is for the digital component mean that for example let's take let's assume global mail is eligible let's assume for a second okay if you're getting the digital and a paper copy only the digital portion of your subscription is eligible okay and if you can't make the distinction between the two the government tells you cut your expense in half that's all you're allowed to claim Okay, and, it, and you can claim up to $500 for any subscriptions that you have towards these uh, type of digital news services. Okay, so it's only the digital portion. So if you get, actually get the physical one, doesn't count. The, the portion that you're paying to get the physical uh, paper, for example, again, I, I'm assuming Global Mail is going to be eligible for this or, so, or like National Post, okay? But, but the, uh, what's called the paper component of it is not eligible. So you have, you, you have to make the distinction between the two. If you can't make the distinction, because a lot of times, you know, these bills are, you know, every, it's everything combined. Then in that case, what, what you need to do is simply take half of the expense. That's all you're allowed to claim at that point. Okay. Um... This year, the personal amount has been enhanced? Yes. The personal basic amount? Yes, absolutely. So the basic personal amount has been enhanced in this case. Okay. Uh, so the basic personal amount is what? Okay. It is a, a, a non-refundable credit that is given to every single resident of Canada. Okay. So if you're a resident of Canada, you are entitled to this basic credit, which is about 13,000 and change. Okay. So it's about 13,229 as of 2020. Okay. What that means is that essentially on your first $13,229 federally, okay, uh, you don't pay any income tax, okay, on that income. That's essentially what the basic personal amount means in non-taxinese, okay, in non-taxinese. All right. Now, what the government has done this year is that they've introduced, uh, uh, they've introduced a progressive component to this, okay, meaning that if your income goes above a certain threshold, well, you're, you can no longer claim 13229 You're going to have to reduce that basic personal amount because you've passed a, th a certain threshold. So the moment you've gone above $150,000 of, of net income and change, now your 13229 basic personal amount gets progressively reduced. Okay, up until you hit a floor of twelve thousand two ninety eight when your net income hits two hundred and fourteen thousand and above. Okay, so that's essentially you know th th that's how the government has introduced. That's what we, that's what we mean by by progressive uh, changes, meaning that progressively your 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 limit goes down as your income goes up. Okay, so that's the, that's the change when it comes to uh, the basic personal amount. Wow. A lot of information here. Um, we know that the province of Quebec has har harmonized the uh, home office expenses to match the federal. Are there other um, credits that 
Quebec has uh, improved this year. Such yeah, like so the uh, there's a tax there's a tax credit for caregivers. Yes. Yeah, so, so first things first, every province is harmonized, not just Quebec. You know, the only okay. difference why we specify Quebec is because, of course, with Quebec, we have a separate form, we have a separate tax return to produce with separate forms. OK, so that's essentially why we mentioned uh, Quebec specifically. But remember that the rest of Canada, uh, every province in, in all of Canada has harmonized with the federal. And now for the rest of Canada, your taxable income is based on your federal taxable income, meaning that the deduction you're claiming federally, you're claiming it provincially as well it works the exact same way now in quebec they've done the same thing okay they've harmonized they've introduced also a temporary flat rate method as well with a detailed method as well with specific forms that they've added as well so that has been harmonized going to the caregiver credit now when it comes to quebec quebec has made two changes one they've simplified the claim okay mm -hmm. so they simplified the claim uh in this case uh, we used that four components to claim when it comes to the caregiver amount now it's been reduced to two the government has basically, uh, you know, whittled down the categories to two. Now, same people are eligible. Okay, it's the same credit essentially as what it was before. It's just now two broad categories instead of four. Okay, that's that's essentially what the government has done. So now you've got two types of dependents that you're claiming for the caregiver amount in Quebec. And in Quebec, it's a refundable credit. It is it is really beneficial. Okay, on the Quebec side, because even if the caregiver is not taxable, they still collect that credit. Okay, they don't have to be taxable, unlike a non-refundable tax credit, like I mentioned before. Okay, so on the Quebec side, the two broad categories are the person is 18 and above and is entitled to the disability amount. Okay, meaning that they've been officially recognized mm -hmm. by Revenue Quebec that they are disabled. Okay, and the second category are uh, uh, relatives that are 70 and above with no uh, physical ailments, with no conditions. Okay, so those two, those are the two types of dependents that you can claim. That's change number one. Okay, they've simplified it. Okay, change number two is the fact that when we go back to the first category, which is 18, you know, a dependent that's 18 and over that has a disability, normally there has to be a family tie with a caregiver. Okay. So it has to be a parent. It has to be a spouse. It has to be a sister, brother, you know, and so on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Normally those are the people that you can claim this starting this year, the government has introduced a new type of dependent. Okay. A person that has no family ties to the caregiver. Okay. However, the caregiver still takes care of this person and there's, and a medical practitioner has certified that the caregiver who has no family tied to this person does take care of that person on a daily basis. Okay. So that's, that's the major change. Meaning, you know, let's, if I were to take an example, let's say I've got uh, my neighbor that I take care of. Okay. My neighbor has no family here. My neighbor is disabled and I go and I take care of them on a daily basis. I go over it. I help out my neighbor. Okay. Every single day. Now my neighbor have no family ties with this person. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter as long as I produce the required form, which, which is the TP 1029.an.a. Uh, okay. That's the, that's the, the mouthful right there of a form. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay? As long as that form has been signed by a medical practitioner, certifying that I'm taking care of my neighbor, then I can claim my neighbor for the caregiver amount. I'm allowed to, to consider that neighbor as a dependent of mine. Okay. For the caregiver amount. That's a pretty fundamental change that the government has done. And it's good news too, because this happens all the time. We take care of family friends a lot of times, right? Mm -hmm. That are not necessarily related to us, you know, but we still take care of them. Right? So now you'll be, you'll be able to claim these individuals for the caregiver amount. So great news all around when it comes to that. Yeah, th that is pretty good.
Okay, now we also have a virtual currency transactions. Yes. What's that? <laughs> oh, that's the big one. Well, okay, nothing's changed tax-wise. So the rules are, listen, if you're dabbing in, in virtual currency, whether it's uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, I think Ripple is another one, and so on, okay, uh, if you're making gains out of transactions of those types of currency, then you have to declare these as a capital gain on your tax return. Now, you could also declare them as capital losses. Maybe you lost money trading in those things. These are capital losses as well. So the, that has not changed. You have to declare that. That's taxable income on your return, and it's a capital gain. What's changed on the Quebec side is on an administrative. Uh, it's an administrative change, meaning that Quebec now requires you to specify that the transaction is, is from a virtual currency. So they've oh. made changes to Schedule G, which is the schedule you, you declare your capital gains on, okay? And they actually have a section now dedicated to virtual currencies, okay? And on the jacket, on the actual tax return on page one, there's even a tick mark, okay, where you tick the, a box telling Revenue Quebec that you've made, uh, that you have a transaction in virtual currency. Now, it's not just capital gains. If you've bought or if you've received virtual currency, the government wants to know that as well. And in that scenario, there is no capital gain because you've you purchased, you haven't mm -hmm. sold yet. There is no capital gain, but you have to tick the box on that first page of, of the Quebec return, which I believe is box 24. Okay, that box has to be ticked as well. So it's an administrative change. The government, I think the government is really trying to crack down essentially. They're, they're creating this administrative change to essentially give them uh, the way, you know, essentially, you know, the, 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 the tools to be able to go after people who are hiding the fact that they're, they're not declaring their, their gains from virtual currency. That's essentially what this is about. Okay. So I think we covered pretty much the whole tax return right now. Most of the changes, yeah. all the yeah, changes. Absolutely. So I think I think we covered it. Remember that uh, we have our blog website, which if you go to the description of uh, this podcast, whether you're going on YouTube or whether you are on a podcast site, you know, be it Apple Music, Sound, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, etc. Okay, in the description, we provide a link to the article that has all the details of everything that we spoke about today. Okay, so it's all there. Do not hesitate to go in there and get all the details that you need on uh, on the UFAL uh, blog site. Like I said, in the description of this podcast, you'll find the link uh and if if you want to simply go and check out the the ufile uh uh the, the ufile blog site just go to ufile.ca go to the tips and tools tab and then choose ufile blog very simple wow thanks a lot jerry this was very informative so this concludes our podcast for today so thank you very much jerry and have a good afternoon everybody thank you everybody stay safe